Hi guys and welcome to episode three of the Stoic Performance Podcast. My name is Matt Green and on today's show we have Ross Hanrahan. He is a personal trainer who I had the pleasure of taking through Royal Marines training uh, back in 2011, I believe it was. It was, it was quite a long time ago. Um, Ross has since gone on, had his, his time, his career in the Corps. He went across, worked into in Dubai for a little bit and then came back and now he is the owner of two gyms. Uh, so he's doing really, really well for himself. We talk about his time in training, uh, the good times, the bad times, which were the, there were quite a few. Uh, the times I was pretty tough on him as well. Um, and then we, we go into how he's dealing with the current situation at the moment during, uh, obviously, lockdown. So um, really good podcast. Great to listen and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Nice one. How you doing? Good, mate. You? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. What's new? Uh, got a little on the way now, mate. Oh, yes. Yes. Congratulations. Your life is about to get turned upside down. No, I'm going to ask you for some tips. <laughs> Don't ask me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> What's new with you? How's, going? How's it going? Yeah, good. Good. Um, obviously, in the same boat as you with uh, with the gym and just starting to do some um outdoor pt again um well starting yeah. out next week um yeah same so at least we can do that i guess yeah it'll keep ticking over for a bit how have you found it um i was pro i was all right for the first couple of weeks um i think once i'd completed like 90 percent of my backlog of jobs and rested then i was getting agitated right i don't know about you but i i enjoy my job so yeah it's one of those things like social interaction all that type of stuff um i'm missing it now um first month probably was all right but now i'm like okay get me back i need to you know yeah start coaching people seeing results all that type of thing as well so yeah. And it's funny to see how clients have reacted because some of my clients have done really, really well during this time. And some of them have like just fallen off the wagon. Yeah. Same. So yeah. it's, it's a complete mismatch. Um, I mean, it's been good for me because it's forced me to have a rest and it's mm -hmm. forced me to rethink things. And you can only really do that when you're not working day in, day out on the job. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's been a good thing, but it, I'm I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, okay, I, I've had my holiday. Let's yeah. crack on again now. <laughs> That's it. I mean, we we opened up in 2015, um, July 2015. So it's been pretty much five years straight of you know six days a week, um, late nights, early mornings, because the way our gym runs is I'm there at 6am in the morning. I'm also there half eight, maybe half nine at night, most nights. Um, so it was just constant. So for me to have this bit of downtime has been welcomed, definitely been welcomed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, trying to <clears throat> think now about, you know, progressing the business and working on a lot of our online stuff. Um, and also having a bit of downtime with the kids, that's been really good it's yeah been really good to be dad and to kind of put the kids to bed um, yeah. every night which you will 
learn about soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, three, three months to go. So, Ross, I, I kind of wanted to get you on because um, we're in this like unique situation where I kind of I took you through training. Um, Met you may be the man I am today, mate. mate. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I might have had a little influence. You never know. But um, we've kind of gone down the same same path, um, and it's interesting to see. I think many bootnecks go from on you know not just in in the core, but um, military. We go two ways. It's either private sector with security, or security, yeah. it's kind of you know maybe offshore oil rigs or kind of into the uh, the, the strength and conditioning route, personal training route. So, um, pretty much wanted to go over like our time in training, how you found it, that type of stuff, um, and then how we've kind of progressed and what you're up to now and, and all that type of stuff. So, we'll take it to like first up. Why why did you want to join the Royal Marines? What made you join the Royal? Marines? You know, this this is quite funny actually because I um, I wasn't going to the careers office to join the Royal Marines. Um, so I actually was going to be like a search and rescue winchman in the Air Force, mainly because it paid better. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get paid. I think they, the starting wage for them was like 32,000 a year. Right. Whereas <laughs> a Marine. <laughs> a Marine the wrong job. Shit. Yeah. A Marine was like, what, 16 grand or something for yeah. starting. 17, 18 grand after training. Um, yeah, but it was funny. So I arrived at my final interview and then this bloke was like, yeah, we've put you on a five-year waiting list. Um, it was 2009 when I was joining, when I was yeah. signing up. So everyone was joining the armed forces. Um, and the Royal Air Force, you know, they were, they were taking on older guys um, that had a bit more life experience and all that type of stuff. How old were you? And then actually our mutual friend down the careers office, yeah. Mr. Mr. Mark Lovell with his blue eyes and tanned, yep. tanned skin, he... Um, he he uh, <laughs> he sort of pulled out this book full of photos um, in Afghanistan. He was like, "You don't want to fucking join the Royal Air Force. You want to join the Royal Marines." Um, <laughs> and then um, yeah, I think I came home that day and I just said to my mum, I'm, "I'm joining the Royal Marines now." She was like, "What's that? I don't know what that is." I was like, "I'm not really sure either." Um, so um, yeah, it was it was it was funny how I fell into it really. Um, and then, yeah, Mark made me meet him in Cambridge every Friday and I had to run around um, the the sort of Central Park in uh, Cambridge and do push-ups and sit-ups and all the rest of it. And then about six weeks later, he took me to the um, pre-Royal Marines course, come top of the pre-Royal Marines course. And then six weeks after that, I was starting training and that was it. Awesome. That's class. I didn't, so, I didn't yeah. know, I knew he, he worked down there, but I didn't know he did that much work with you personally before. Yeah, so Mark, Mark was really good, actually. At, um, it was the first time that they'd have had a Marine down there at the careers office. Yep. I think he was only down there because he'd broken his ankle um, yep. playing football. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. He loved it, though, because he could wear his Royal Marines Commando um, you know, uniform and all the rest of it, walk yeah. past the salons and all that type of stuff. <laughs> Classic Lovell. And obviously being Lovell, he was like, he was he was just wearing like a Royal Marines jumper. Yeah. Trying to be Ali as fuck, you know, whatever it was. So, <laughs> yeah, he was wearing his beret down there, gobbing off at yeah. us. Um, yeah, winking at the girls, walking past the salon and all that type of stuff. It was quite funny, actually. 
<laughs> um, how old were you when you joined? Um, 18. 18. So I, I was the second youngest to Jake, who was in our troop as well. Yeah. Um, Jake. Remember Jake Timberlake? Timberlake, yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Timberlake, yeah. So I was the second youngest. Um, yeah, so. See, that's turn, ni- turn 19 just didn't tell anyone halfway through training. Right. So, see, that's interesting because as if the youngest, how old was Jake? Jake was just turned 17. Right, because it was when I joined, there was like probably seven or eight lads who were 16. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I was, I just turned 17. But yeah, because you could join, you could, you could apply at 16, couldn't you? And then you joined at 16 and a half, was it? Or something yeah. like that? At least? 15 years, nine months, you can. 15 years, nine apply, months. Yeah. Um, which for any 15 year old, <clears throat> hats off to him. I mean, I, um, I started the process at 16, um, but I did a year in college. So I wanted to become an officer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, that was my goal, but academically not good enough. So yeah. I was like, right, I'll go back to college. I'll, I'll get uh, what I need to. And then literally six months into my first year at college, I was like, this is not me. I cannot do yeah. it anymore. And I was like, right, I'm just joining. And I think it was the best um, decision. One of the best decisions yeah. I've ever made in my life was just to just go for it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm glad I, glad I did. Yeah, it was funny because I did, I did two years at college knowing that I wanted to join the government sector, but I didn't really know what. So I just stayed for the full two years. Um, and then when basically my mum said that she was moving abroad she was moving to Dubai I was like well I've got to do something yeah. <laughs> so I've got nowhere to live um, <laughs> so yeah so that yeah it all, it all fell into place um, quite well actually but yeah so when obviously you you'd kind of fell into to joining the core um, didn't know too much about it those kind of weeks leading up were you doing your homework were you thinking my god what have I got myself into or would you kind of like raring to go yeah so I think um, the, the, the big eye opener was the pre-Royal Marines course so um, for me it was mainly the fact that a lot of the guys on the pre-Royal Marines course had been there they, would, they were on it for the second time yep. um, and not knowing that much about the Royal Marines then I just knew that I was fit and then if Mark's, Mark obviously, said, obviously gave me an indicator to say, like, you're fit enough to pass the Royal Marines course, so whether you've got it upstairs in your head to, to sort of get through it. Yeah. Um, and when I got there, there's just a lot of gobbing off. There's a lot of lads that talk the talk and all the rest of it. And, yeah. and then when I, when, I, when I got top of the course, I thought, shit, that, that actually weren't that Like, it was hard, but it wasn't, it wasn't like... One that hard, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd trained for it. So there was a difference. Like I was trained and a lot of the, the other guys were untrained. So they, they'd, re, they'd lived and breathed the Marines and it had been their dream their entire life. But yeah. they weren't physically capable of getting through the pre-war Marines course. When I joined and I, you know, you go into that 60, 60 bed room Found down in phase one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think then the main thing for me was there was a lot of older guys that I thought that I probably should have looked up to. 
So if you're younger and you're joining, you kind of like look at the older guys for, um, you know, a bit of support and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. And a lot of them were jacked, like, like ripped six packs, like all the rest of it. And I've, I remember like getting part into week one thinking, shit, like I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm, cause you go, there's so many sort of, you go through certain phases of training where you go through like doubts in your head. And there was like six foot four blokes with, you know, six packs and all the rest of it. But then come week sort of week six, week seven, week eight, and then end of the gym phase at the start, um, a lot of these guys were dropping off. Mm -hmm. um, and they might have looked good on the surface, but they didn't have it all upstairs. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember one guy... I uh, can't remember his name now. In fact, I won't name names. But he, bald guy, he was um, quite tall, super fit, first on everything gym-related. So do camp circuits. He'd come first by an absolute mile. Um, everything. Like, I think, I can't remember what they gave you at, um, in week nine if you were top of the gym. Superior was, path type thing. Yeah, yeah, superior pass or whatever. He, Him and five others got that. And then as soon as we got down to bottom field and we started lifting logs and everything was cold and you started carrying kit, he just broke, like completely snapped under the tension. Um, and then I thought, oh, right, okay, actually, uh, I'm doing all right at this. I think I'll stick to it. So it, I think you just go, I just had a couple of odd days where you're sort of looking around at the start and you're trying to find your feet and, you know, everything's really like super intense and you're not getting much sleep and all the rest of it and you're getting screamed at all the time so it's um yeah I think the first after about week 10 after I think Hunter's Moon's week 10 so okay. after Hunter's Moon I think after that I was like right okay sorry state good. for you like on it oh that was a <laughs> <laughs> you know it is it's funny so we're um we're <laughs> I'm in a group still the 119 Penguins Assemble group. Oh, nice. Um, nice. It's quite funny. All the lads are still in it. Um, and we still talk about that. Right. That Tuesday. <laughs> I fucking remember it still to this day. It was absolutely honking. That was probably the one of the worst. That was probably, no, that was the worst day in training, I think. The worst so, day. Tell us that why. What, what had happened on that day? So... Hunter, Hunter's Moon is the exercise where you take all of the skills that you've learned up until week 10, 11, 12, it's week 10 or something like that. Week 10. Um, yeah. And um, you take all the skills and then you, you start your night navigation phase. Um, and it was, it was this December, first week of December, something like that. Yeah. It was just honking weather. So the weather was absolutely stinking. Rain, sleet, um, and I just I just remember getting off. We'd all been on a because I was in your section, yeah. And we'd all been on a night navigation. Um, there's actually quite a funny bit about that night navigation about you falling into the river. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember that one, mate. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll we can come back to that. Go. We'll come back to that because you'll, you'll probably have a better memory of it than me. But yeah, yeah we'll come back to that um, one. I just remember us harboring up in this sort of like swampy area. And, um, you know, you're just, you're just tired and you're wet and you're cold and all the rest of it. And then these fucking winds through the night 
were like sideways. And I think it was like 50, 60 mile hour winds. And they were just coming sideways through the poncho. I just remember putting my hand down in my sleeping bag and it being like submerged in water. <laughs> so I put my hand down. I'm like, I'm sleeping in a, like, no wonder we're fucking cold. Like there's literally water filling up my sleeping bag. Um, and the kit, kit's flying everywhere. And it's, it's just, it's just, I think I'd failed both kit inspections as well, both mornings. Yeah. And then... The next, that morning, I just remember you guys coming out and it was, it was, what, I can't remember the sergeant's name, but he was a rock climber type Hawkins, guy, wasn't Nick he? Hawkins. Yeah, Hawkins, yeah. that's it. Um, and he was screaming and he was literally like three meters away and he was screaming and I couldn't hear a fucking thing he was saying, <laughs> which was how shit the weather was. <laughs> So he was like screaming and I could just see roll mats and I was just like, we are going to get absolutely thrashed this morning. Like I just, no one slept. We've been up doing night navigation all night. Everyone's piss wet through. Everyone's kits in an absolute shit state. And then it took us about 30 minutes to get from the harbour area to like a dry um, covered area. That little sheltered kind of gazebo yeah. thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and then we lost the South Af the young South African lad, like O'Neill. O'Leary, was it? O'Leary or O'Neill. O'Reilly. Yeah, O'Reilly. Funny um, about him as well. And we lost, we, yeah, we lost him. And how the fuck we lost him in about 200 metres, I just don't understand. Anyway, obviously the screaming continued because, you know, the whole, the whole thing was an absolute fucking mess. And then... Um, I remember actually uh, <laughs> everyone having to get their weapons out in the morning and it was ob obviously like 90% of people were going to fail because the, you know, the weather was so shit, there was going to be some level of rust on the weapon or whatever it was. And I'd actually passed and I was like, fucking yes, like I've actually passed my kit inspection because you were only checking, well, everyone was told obviously to only check weapons. Yeah. And there was only fucking two of us left. And I just remember the whole troop being down there and you looking at me and someone else and being like, what do you think you should do, lads? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, great, I'm getting thrashed three <laughs> days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and, then it was and then it was Bergen's on and another 12 hours of yomping before we went straight into survival. Yeah. No, I can, I can remember. Yeah, I can remember that part because... We as a team were looking at the weather and we were like, right, it's it's getting to a point now where this is just going to be detrimental to the training outcome that we wanted. Yeah. Uh, and we were like, we're going to have to move them because it was pretty honking. And like, we, I went through training myself, me and Lee Head, we both went through training together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we went through I'd training. I'd love to get him on the show. Yeah. We went through training <laughs> exactly the same time period as what you guys did, like September to May. So yeah. we knew roughly which exercises were coming up, what the weather was going to be like-ish, and we could kind of like, you know, make an assessment of how, it, how these exercises are going to run. Um, but that night, that particular night up, in, up on Dartmoor was pretty special. Like I can remember how bad it was. 
Yeah. Um, so testament to you guys. And when we came out in the morning and you lot were like <laughs> the sorriest bunch of of rag tags I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It was yeah, it was pretty funny that one. Um Yeah. I so, just remember I just remember going straight into the Yomp after that and then looking at Sutcliffe about five hours into it and he was talking to himself about like he was hallucinating as he was walking because he was that <laughs> fucking tired. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, and then but that that part part of those small things that I remember gave me more strength because I just remember blokes being in complete shit states and their yeah. feet were fucked because um, they'd not taped their feet up correctly and they were, you know, hallucinating while they were walking and stuff like that. And I thought, actually, like, I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm not that bad. Like, I'm still, yeah. I'm still okay. So, um, but yeah, it, it, was quite, it was quite funny, actually, because I, I, I remember the... Because um, our cat... Who's our captain? Lank... Lancaster, no, not Lancaster. Yeah, I think it was uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. He was pretty ballsy, though. He was pretty ballsy as a boss, though, to be fair. And um, I just remember the final bit after survival. Um, Oh, that's a whole other story, actually. We could go on for that for a while on that one. Um, But yeah, I I just remember at the end of that survival phase. the bus being at the end so that was the first false ending that we'd had <laughs> and the bus being at the end and obviously we spent all that all that time yomping then we went through the the first sort of like mountain leader phase and then survival where we obviously got all the kit stripped and all the rest of it and then told to sort of like you know last for 24 hours and then seeing that bus i was like oh I can't wait to get on that bus and just get back to camp. And then the fucking bus drove off. And then I just remember him saying, right, lads, who wants to quit? Because we're going back, you know, we're going back to that, that harbour area. And I thought, shit, we're going to be yomping for another, you know, 12, 16 hours back to the thing. I thought, fuck it. So I stuck my back, stuck, stuck the Bergen on my back, and I was, like, ready to go. And then two lads just stuck their hands up and were like, I'm not fucking doing this, no way. And then the bus came back. <laughs> I think we lost about 14 blokes on that one exercise. Yeah, it was, um, I remember sitting from the comfort of the, uh, the Land Rover and watching you lot put up our tent. And I remember one lad, he was just stood there and he was like literally out on his, on his feet completely asleep stood up and then he'd wake mm. up a bit and then we'd beat the horn and land rover and that'd kind of bring him to and then he'd like start moving bits of the tent and stuff but those are the times in training where you can really see um when you when you know stepping back from it and being able to view the troop um from a corporal's perspective is like on the training team you can see who who wants it the most you can see who's going to get through regardless you can see who is the jackist who's 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 the lad who's going to help others um and for you guys you know obviously i've been through it myself those are the character building times those are the times where it really 
let you know how much you want it and how badly you want it and yeah. to know that you can endure so much if you put your mind to it um, yeah thinking of the end goal for me it was always that green lid like yeah. that's all i wanted um and the kind of prestige it, it carried um so and I, I spoke about this the other day like being lucky lucky not to roll an ankle lucky not to um, have a twig in the eye or something through a night nap or something stupid yeah, yeah, yeah. which can put you completely back yeah. to get through get through training all the way without you know um, having too much of a setback was yeah you can just you know it, it shows how much some people want it in in times like that when it's absolutely honking they've yeah. not slept um, and there's you know they don't show you that on the yeah when you don't you get that on the Channel 4 documentary, do you? No, they don't get that. And, you know, maybe there wouldn't be many people who, who would join up if they did. But um, I think equally, if they showed you just how bad it could be, you would get a whole new crowd thinking, well, I could, I could try that. Maybe I would. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe you'd get a, a, you know, a higher caliber of, of soldier coming through or... Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Just a different kind of breed that wanted to come and make it rather than, you know, you see some of the uh, the adver advertisements for it and yeah, it looks Gucci as, but, you know, it's not what it's like, is it? It's, it's no. hard. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, it's, it's pretty disgusting. And, I, and, and it, it, there was a lot of guys that showed some really good character along the way. Um, I remember a point where, you know, I... I fucked my ankle up completely. Was that um, in um, violent that entry? Was towards like week, early week twenties. Was that on like violent entry yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So I, I it, it was funny. We'd been going across like um, babies' heads all night long. Yeah. Um, and then sunrise came, and I fucking rolled my ankle on this a metal road two, where. It? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like it was like two miles from the end. Like yeah. it was. It was just stupid. It was, it was mean, just not like, I don't know, maybe I was looking back or something, whatever. But I just remember like 100 pounds of kit on your back and the whole weight of my body went through my ankle. And I just think, I just thought, and the first thing in my head wasn't like, oh shit, my ankle it was, oh shit, I'm going to go back a few weeks in training. Yeah. That was my like initial thought. And I thought, there's no way that I'm going to be able to pass the 12 mile load carry next week. Yeah, because my ankle just swelled up like an absolute balloon. It was black, purple, all the rest of it. And I remember getting back to the med bay, and the physiotherapist was just sort of there, and he went, "He went, you've got a choice." He said, "Obviously, I know you don't want to go back in training, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to release like all the tissue here in in your ankle if you're gonna pass next week, and you're gonna have to strap it up." Um, and then I'll speak with the team um, because I think it was all in. It was like, it was like 13 miles. If you did, it was 12 miles and there was an additional mile back to camp. He said, like, I can, I, I can see you might be able to, you might be able to get to the end of it. But like, I'll ask him if you can get in the wagon at the end because your ankle's going to be like, like a balloon towards the end of it. Yeah, I remember having like a real look. So he basically spent the next twenty minutes pummeling my ankle, and it was all black and purple. And I just think this fucking off. This is absolutely disgusting. And then I did no fizz for the. So I had a fizz chip for the whole of the week. 
to not do any bottom field, all the rest of it, just so my ankle could rest. And then the Friday did the 12, did the 12 mile load carry. And I just thought, even on that, like eight miles in, there was blokes dropping back. I thought they've done a week of extra fizz than I have. There was blokes dropping back and all the rest of it. And then like my ankle, probably like mile 10, mile 11. I was like, this is fucking starting to hurt now. Like I need to, like I'll get to the end, get get in the wagon, and then and then um, get back to camp. But yeah, I remember I remember passing that, and then thinking, shit, there's like lads have had an extra week of of fitness, and you know they're hanging out at the back, and some blokes didn't pass, and all the rest of it. I just thought, yeah. fucking hell, maybe be all right. But then it, you could see who the top lads were. Then like Sooty, who was a little shit at the start, he turned into a man by then. Unreal. Um, Unreal. His his attitude at the start. I mean, he was like one of the worst blokes at the start. Yeah. So we were like, everyone everyone was giving him shit. Like he wouldn't take orders. He was like lazy, wasn't helping out. And then he just like this switch in his head. And then he turned into like one of the strongest, like top five, top six guys on the course. Yeah. Um, He was awesome. And then, um, Daniel Benson and yep. Jake Timberlake and all those guys. And it was, you could see who was, who was going to pass at that stage. Um, like you just knew it for definite. There was a couple of lags, lads that had to be dragged yeah. a little bit. I mean, you always get, you, you, you probably always get that in every troop. And I imagine that, you know, you, you've kind of got a, you've got to try and pass a certain amount of people through. Otherwise the government would just be wasting a shitload of money. Um, so yeah, but there was some no, was definitely slipping through the net who I made no bones about didn't want there. Yeah. Um, but again, we won't name names, but um, I think you'll, <laughs> you'll remember him. Yeah. <clears throat> But that that was that was complete bo- like I remember that that was complete bollocks really. Yeah, it was it was one of those situations where you, you're like gifting this bloke a green beret. Yeah, like you shouldn't have fucking you didn't pass like one of your command you didn't pass to, like but like several commando tests failed and then allowed to redo them on uh, I don't know essentially slightly easier circumstances I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but. Well, Anyway, yeah, it's like it is. But watching the lads grow, you know, <laughs> physically, mentally, um, and seeing you turn in from turn from you know a civilian to a Royal Marine, it's it's really you know amazing to see. I never thought it would have such an effect on me personally because you know um, I'd, I'd I'd gone through when I passed my PW course, I went. You know, pretty much straight out to Afghan. Um, all I wanted to do was be at a unit. Um, but I knew being a PW, at some point, I would be training recruits. Um, so when the call got made and um, it was like, yep, yeah, you're leaving 4-2, you're going to be at, at Limston for a couple of years. At first, I was like, right, how is this going to go? Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I loved yeah. it. And the... The worst part for me about taking 119 through was um, the weekend before test week and I'd gone home, played football 
smashed my ankle in and then I couldn't do the 30 miler with you boys, which yeah, yeah, it ruined me. Like I was absolutely gutted that I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'd taken you, you through from the beginning and I wanted to, to take you over the line and, and you know, help and yeah, see yeah, yeah. get those green lids. Obviously I was at the, at the end of it, but <clears throat> yeah, that was worst part of, of my time at Limston was knowing I couldn't take you guys through uh, yeah. 30 miler, but um, was there any part in training where you thought, I can't do it, this is me, I, I can't go any further? Apart from the injury, was there any anything in your head which made you think, no, I, I just can't keep going? Um, there, there was a couple of doubt moments. Um, I remember getting a migraine on one of the exercises and just feeling like shit for the entire exercise. Like maybe maybe it wasn't maybe looking back it wasn't the entire exercise but it was at least like two or three days where I just didn't feel like I could contribute or there were points where you really thought that you were on it like you thought you nailed down all your kit everything was squared away and then you'd come along and fucking find something and then you'd be sat there and it was the disappoint it was the disappointment in yourself for failing that task yeah. Cause I, cause I remember, I remember, um, I can't remember who from the training team came in and basically said, look guys, at any point throughout training, you need to sit there and believe in yourself that there is fuck all that you can get, you know, caught out for, you know, your weapons immaculate, your kits, absolutely spankers, like everything's absolutely fine. Um, and I remember being on one of the exercises and I genuinely believed that I'd fucking squared everything away. I like I, everything was like tip top. I was like, I've nailed this down. I can do it. I've nailed it down and I can do it quickly now. So it's not even like I can, I can, I'm, I'm efficient. Like, and because there was lads that were, I always used to try and get as much sleep as possible. I'd try and do everything as efficiently as possible. Rest as much as possible. Eat all four meals a day. Cause you would, a lot of people won't know, but you get, 6 6 a.m breakfast lunch dinner and a 9 9 p.m meal so i'd eat all four meals um i'd sleep as early as possible and then i'd do the same on exercise when i was um when the kit musters came out i'd be like right okay let's do let's do this as quickly as i possibly can make sure that everything's squared away and get as efficient as possible like i'd memorize my bergen so i knew it so at night I could close my eyes and I'd know exactly where everything was and what was going on. But I just remember being on one kit muster and I fucking <laughs> totally missed like one element and you'd found it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm <laughs> pissed off with myself. But it wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't, it was like, I was just pissed off with myself <laughs> and that I'd let, and that I'd let you and the training team down. That was just, it was just, it's just awful. But that, that was the, that was the point where I knew that I wanted it the most yeah because there was a lot of lads that at that point if you're looking at like you know week 16 to 20 that you could tell that there were certain lads that were just going through training but they didn't really like want it like that badly mm -hmm. but it was those like little moments where i was like fuck's sake i'm i'm so annoyed that i missed that like one little bit or that bolt that i'd missed on my weapon and i'd completely missed it or you had your eye down something can you stick your fucking i don't know how long your pinky finger is mate but it would literally go in <laughs> this finger <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I just remember it going, and I and then you just look at me, and I'd be like, oh, fuck's sake, can't believe I've missed that. What I'd do is I'd show you it first and show you that it's clean. I'd yeah. be like, right, you can see my finger, it's clean, and then I stick it in. I knew I'd get something, and I'd get, I'd go to the point where my finger was inside that breach and it was hurting, but I knew I would scrape some shit out. Something out, yeah. Something. Yeah, and just be like, right, get on a flank. You shit. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I'd had that done to me as well. Like my my yeah, no. uh, corporal in training, uh, Ginge Packham. No idea how he'd, he'd get his his finger as far in until I became a PW, and I was like, okay, yeah. yeah. Now I know I can get in there. Now I do it, yeah, yeah. Because we're like we were ne- we were never going to get it a hundred percent right. But it was about taking that was all part of the character building. It was about taking those hits, putting your hand up, like integrity shout. Yep, yeah, fucked up. I'll take the punishment. I'll stick it on the chin. I'll put it behind me immediately, and then move on from it. Whereas I find that coming back onto Civvy Street, that's one of those things which everyone's trying to find an excuse so yeah. i find all the time like if i've cocked up i'll just say like i've totally messed up on this mm-hmm. you know and then i don't i still i don't have any guilt towards the, the fact that i've cocked up because i've i've made people aware that i've messed up yeah and we Integrity. can yeah we can fix it and we can move on um whereas that that was probably the most difficult thing coming out of the military was dealing with people that just flat out lied about stuff that they've yeah. done and you knew that they were just bullshitting. I think there was a point, um, I think it might have been on one of the, might have been violent entry or one of the, the exercises towards the back end of training. And, you know, we're getting to a point now where the lads who were there, you know, we know we want to keep them. And, you know, there weren't anyone who I was like, right, I need to get rid of this guy or nothing like that. It was... You know, if a lad had left through or wanted to leave, then we we would take the guy into the into the office or whatever and try and talk him out of it, um, or yeah. just give him a bit of a pep talk. But it got to a point where you guys just kept messing up, and you're messing up constantly all the time in the field. Yeah. And I think we had a bit of a, a complete pause. And I remember going and sitting you all down in this little. This little shitty, that's my daughter coming up. <coughs> um, <laughs> this little shitty hovel um, outside the exercise. And I just said, look, lads, this is this is it now. This is serious. You just need to start switching on and giving you a bit of a pep talk and said, look, because at the minute, none of you are performing. And after that, just letting you know that, you know, how much you actually want it and need it, need to get it and switch on as a team and become um, a cohesive unit. Hang on, Bill. Um, and then after that little, little pause, just to say, look, lads, you know, and talk to you as people, not as recruits. Talk to you as lads there. And it was, you know, it was getting to that point where <clears throat> I wanted you to succeed that badly but you was all messing up so much and we yeah. couldn't understand why. Um, but, you know, seeing that change, that transition, once we kind of like just said, lads, look, start acting, start growing up, start being adults about it. And then after that, it just kind of like, you all, you all clicked. It kind of just started to work. And 
towards the back end of training, going through live firing and, you know, there's not one part of me that can remember thinking, how are these lads through here? How, you know, you was all yeah. getting on to that level now of, right, these are, these lads are now becoming Marines. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for me, it was just, just a joy to see. Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, it was, it was, it was funny when I got to my first posting after, after um, sort of finishing training, because I actually remember getting there and then meeting a few lads and not having anything in common with them. Right. So it was, it was, it was a very strange, it was like this peak through training of like top quality toward, towards the end, especially where we'd like reached this pinnacle point and then getting sent up to Scotland, um, up to Faz Lane and then just meeting a bunch of shit blokes. And I was like, fuck. And there was like, there was, there was about four or five blokes that I clicked with to the point where, because I found, I found you in the training team and the rest of the training team, like extremely professional, like everything was so switched on. Like I had spot, I had spider towards the start. I think yeah. when did you, when did you come in? Week six, I joined you all. Six. So I had spider. And then I had before that, uh, we had the uh, Irish sniper. I still can't remember his name. Who? Which one? I, uh, there was an Irish uh, sniper that was that was right at the start. Was really angry all the time. I don't and think then, I knew him. Yeah, yeah. Um, McMullen, that was his name. McMullen. Right. Anyway, but every everyone that we'd had was so good in the training team. Like I, lo I just looked up to everyone. I thought, fucking hell, like. Um, and, and spider especially was like like superman yeah um and then finding out obviously i, I found out obviously he's he's a triple amputee mm -hmm. you know obviously when he got pulled off he got pulled off the training team and then went to afghanistan and then yeah unfortunately got blown up out there but i remember getting getting to that first first sort of um well it's not really a unit is it but got up to faz lane yeah I was just so like disappointed for like a good six months. I was just like, fuck's sake. Like, I think the corporals are shit. I think the blood, like half, like at least half the troop are just jokers. Yeah. I was like, no one's physic, no one's physic into their fitness the same way that Benny and Jake and, you know, the training team that I've just come from and everything else. It was just like this big climax and then a bit of a. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh fuck's sake! Like, what what is going on here?" And then, um, I mean, luckily I like gelled with about five or six guys. Um, but I, I I have to say, like looking back, training was the best part of my career, mm. without a doubt. Like right. it was it was the it was the it was the worst worst and best experience like I've ever been through. Yeah, because I just I just found. I found that you were looking towards something constantly. And then when I arrived at, you know, uh, up at Faz Lane and then went down to 4-2 Commando after that, I think the Marines was going through that phase where it was trying to find its feet again after Afghanistan. Yeah. And it was doing a lot of exercises that were a bit sort of bullshit. 
yeah. there wasn't really much going on there wasn't really a purpose behind it um and then we did some anti-piracy stuff and all the rest of it but um i just never i never really found the same level of of like professionalism as there was through training um and i think that's probably why a lot of the other guys went straight into like reconnaissance and then went on to do other stuff as well um but yeah i for me training was like the best and the worst thing that's ever happened to me it was good awesome so after what was your kind of thought process how long did you serve when did you start thinking right um this isn't for me i want to get out and then obviously falling into um pt that kind of thing and eventually becoming a gym owner what was that kind of process like so i think for me um timing timing was just bad for our careers i think for our troop it just it was the end of afghanistan i was hoping to go on the final tour and then i think david cameron was prime minister at the time and he cancelled it all and we 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 did like an anti-piracy thing after that i think you know i don't blame i don't i don't blame how everything planned out throughout my career but obviously a lot of the guys that were in they'd gone from northern ireland to to Iraq, to Afghanistan. And I think they, everyone just needed to have a rest. Yeah. Like there'd been a war zone for the last 15 years. That's um, it. My generation was that. I joined yeah. at the beginning of, uh, you know, the second invasion of Iraq and yeah. boom, that was it, constant. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it was just a timing thing. And then I got to about year five and there was like a bottlenecking going on in the Marines. So obviously lads were staying in especially the guys that have been in a long time because now they were at home all the time um lifestyle was getting better there wasn't a lot to do on camp um so i got to uh, i was sort of doing a corporal's position but not getting the pay for it um and i just thought oh how am i gonna am i gonna stay here for another three four years and then still not be where I want to be and still on shit money and all the rest of it. So I just decided, right, that's it. My mum was over in Dubai. She'd been there for the last four years. I thought, right, okay, if I leave, if I leave now, um, I don't want to go back into an environment like security where the owner of the company is probably an ex-sergeant major. Yeah. And I'm probably going to get treated the same way as I was in the Marines. So I've got a choice. Do I go down, do I go down that route or do I go down the route of, okay, physically fit, hopefully I'll inspire some people along the way. Um, I think I'll go down the fitness route, um, which, which is generally the two, two ways that guys go when they leave. So I left, um, I went to stopped off at my mum's place in Dubai. Um, I think I left on the Friday. I had a one way ticket, on the Sunday to Australia. So I got a two year working visa in Australia, did a stop over to see my mum for two weeks, um, spoke to a friend of a friend who then said, oh, by the way, there's a personal training job out here. Didn't think anything of it. Flew to Sydney, ended up doing some like buckshe jobs out there, landscaping, crap jobs, all the rest of it. Everyone was a backpacker. I was like, I fucking can't deal with, like, this is not for me at all. Um, (laughs) I've been there and done all that stuff. So, so, um, yeah, I got the phone call about seven weeks later and he was like, 
well, I want you back in Dubai. Like, you've got the job. Um, so I flew back and that was it. Um, started doing peating out there. A year later, um, started like a small fitness company and then ended up um, having a bit of a disagreement with my business partner and, and flew back to the UK um, after a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I got back and then finally enough, got in touch with Lovell again. Mm-hmm. Um, we went for a, we went for a session down at the local gym that was sort of between us. And then Lovell just came out of nowhere and just said, Oh, by the way, the gym's up for sale. Um, so I said, well, okay, well, I'm, I, I, this is the industry that I want to get into and looking at it long-term down the road, I don't want to be a, I don't want to have to be a personal trainer forever. So owning a gym is, you know, is on, is on the, on the bucket list of things to do. Um, so yeah, that was it. We had a conversation and like typical bootnecks, like we followed through with it about eight weeks later and then ended up putting an offer in and, and, and bought the gym. So that was how it all panned out, mate. Awesome. And then you've since gone on. Are you still involved with, with, uh, with Love All and that? And yeah. Yeah. Is it Links Links Fitness? Yeah. So 12, four, well, 16 weeks ago, we opened up Links Fitness, the second facility. Awesome. Um, and, then, and then Corona decided to jump in and <clears throat> destroy the progression. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's that's it at the moment, mate. Is are you is everything going to be all right? Obviously, we don't know when we're going to open again. But are you guys going to be able to yeah. keep the facility? I don't. I don't know about you. Did do you manage? Do you manage to get um, any government support, local yeah. grants? Yeah, we got the, the small business one. So yeah, yeah. So we we got that as well. So that that will cover us fine. And then if we're, um, you know. We just did a lot of damage limitation, ring the landlord, ring the bill guys, you know, see what we can defer, see what we can. Yeah, same. I, th- I think that's one, one thing which bootnecks going into business is a really good idea because you can just, you can just problem solve really effectively. Yeah. And there's no like, it's more like, instead of like crying and whinging about it and going, oh no, I'm stuck in this situation. You know what am I going to do? Everybody feels sorry for me. You sort of sit there and you go, "Fuck, there's no problem. I need to solve it. Yeah. I'll give myself I'll give myself a day to be stressed about it, and then I'll write down a list of all the jobs that I need to get done, and then I'll get them all done, and we'll we'll control the outcome of this as best we can." Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the, the 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 great things that came out of being in the Marines is just the the ability to problem solve effectively and efficiently um but but yeah it will be will be fine i mean even if we opened up in august which is probably more like my prediction that it that it'll be august um but yeah even if we opened up in august it will it will still be all right but you're starting to do outdoor stuff now as well yeah so outdoor training starts on monday um you know, if we have to do that for eight weeks, 12 weeks, um, that'll be fine. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too fussed about it. I think, to be honest, at the back end, at the back end of this, hopefully people recognise what facilities they have locally um, and support them more um, yeah. as, a, as a result of this. But I mean, how's it been your end with, with your guys and all the rest of it? You've got a good... 
good community at your gym? Yeah, great community. Um, now, luckily, the vast majority have, have stuck with us, and those who have left, for obviously for reasons that they've had to, I know they'll be back. Um, yeah. And you know, we'll welcome welcome them with open arms. And it's it's such a stressful place at the minute to for anyone and for everybody's business. Um, small businesses for people who are self-employed it's it's tough on everyone so we you know we understand what's what but like you say if everybody stuck together and realized that you know they'll get more value from you know the 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 kind of higher profile gyms the the the, the dw's and the kind of nuff fields around the place um i think they'll be putting memberships on hold i think that's what they've done but are they really giving out any value for their members? Are they really giving them out anything else? And, you know, what, like you, we kind of like had a day or two. We were like, right, so this is a situation we've got to close. What are we going to do to make sure that our members have the highest value possible from us? And we were lucky in the fact that we've got a lot of kit and equipment that we could loan out. Um, <clears throat> so we lent out kettlebells slam balls, barbells, plates, um, even flooring as well. So, you know, my gym is kind of upside down at the minute. <laughs> um, but, you know, and giving, you know, online personal training, um, online programming, I've been doing that for about four years anyway. So it wasn't new to me. I've seen so many new things on my newsfeed saying, become an online personal trainer and learn how to do all this. And it's like, you know, luckily I'm not getting sucked into that shit because it's just somebody trying to make a book off you. But yeah, exactly. Um, I've you know been been around a little bit, understand the online online programming, how to do it, how to use it, and it's been really effective. And we've had some really good feedback from it. So you know, we're all right. Luckily, we're all, yeah. we're all right. I've found like a lot a lot of my clients that are doing a really good job through this time are going for like long walks in the day and they're understanding they're now understanding that all the things that you've been telling them over the last two to three years and when they actually start applying all those little bits and putting it into one you know one solid solution you know now now it's suddenly working you know the amount of times that I've said you you just need to go for a 30 minute walk at lunch or you just need to go and do and you don't need to you don't need to feel like you have to exercise every single day especially if you're someone who's super busy you're in high level management maybe you own your own business whatever it is like just getting out for a 30 minute dog walk in the morning a 30 minute lunchtime walk on your break and then manage to get to the gym for 40 minutes in the evening you know that that's if that's the solution that works for you then that's that's that that's going to be it like the amount of couples that i've seen walking in the evening now yeah. while this coronavirus is happening that would have normally come home from work sat on the sofa stuck the netflix on you know ate a quick microwave meal whatever it was for convenience mm -hmm. and then basically gone from sitting on their ass when they woke, woke well lying lying on their lying down waking up in the morning coming downstairs, having a coffee and some cereal, getting into a car, driving to the office, sitting at the office all day long, getting home, feeling mentally tired, not physically tired. Yeah. And then getting home and then just eating some crap that they've picked up from the garage. 
sitting in front of the sofa and they've moved a grand total of fuck all all day. Mm-hmm. And then now you see them and they're like, oh, I've got my Strava account open, you know, not even went for a jog, just went for a long walk for an hour and a half. Yeah. That's the type of sustainable activity that they should have been doing anyway before all of this. And there's still plenty of time. If you get home at six o'clock in the evening, you've still got four hours until you go to bed. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, you don't need to sit and watch TV and stare at a screen for four hours. Like you can go and walk for an hour and you'll still have three hours to yourself to relax. You can still have a bath and chill and do whatever you want. Well, even even on that walk or run, like you don't have to listen to music. It could be a podcast. It could be something educational. You know, there's time there. People think, oh, I've got no time to do things. And that's the, the easiest excuse is the time one. Um, there's 24 hours in a day. Um, it, it can be utilized if people plan and prepare effectively. And And like you say, just it's going to be interesting to see how these people react when they have to go back to work yeah and coming home from work and because almost you know it's been you know thrown about exercise go and exercise do this do that so has it been has it had an effect on people where people are being told to go and exercise or are they kind of thinking right i will go and exercise because i know it's going to be better for me do you know do you understand yeah. is it yeah yeah how how are people going to react when life returns to you know a normal? Yeah. It's funny. I, I was I was having a conversation with a client yesterday who's been unfurloughed, so she goes back to work on Monday. So her normal routine starts again from Monday, and yeah. she's been working ten k a day and all the rest of it. I said you don't need to have that as your target every yeah. single day. The ten k Monday to Friday as of next week isn't going to be a realistic. Because it takes you an hour, hour and forty odd minutes to to walk that distance. You're not going to have that time in the morning. You're not going to want to to do that for an hour and forty minutes in the morning to wake up at five a.m. to go and do that. But what you can do is go for a twenty to thirty minute walk in the morning. You can have a walking meeting or a you know just go for a walking lunch, whatever it is. Instead of wasting an hour sat around the coffee you know coffee area whatever you can go for a 30 minute walk and spend 30 minutes at the coffee area to, you know to chill and relax and then in the evening you've, you've you've got so much time you know people that people that do a nine to five don't understand how they don't have any time you don't start working until nine o'clock in the morning you've got at least three hours before then to do something yeah you know and then in the evening you're home by five six o'clock and you've got at least another four there's seven hours in your day like that's completely free and you've got a lunch break as well that's eight hours yeah i don't remember the last time i had three or four hours in the morning to just get (laughs) going to exercise you know running a business and being self-employed it's like all right well my clients start at 6 a.m and then i might not get home until nine o'clock in the evening Mm -hmm. some evenings i mean not every day you know, hopefully I get home early in that and my, you know, I've planned well, but not a nine to five office job. There's so much time. You have so much time on your hands, so much time. So much time. But like for your kind of mindset, it's, and you know, people like, our, people like ourselves, it's knowing that 
it could always be worse, knowing that we've endured far, far worse uh, situations than what it's like now. Like I've seen a lot of stuff, um, lads posting about lockdown. This, you know, we, we've been told to sit here and watch Netflix and stay at home and stuff. Like we're not out in Afghanistan getting shot at. We're not. Yeah. You know, living off rations, it's, it's, this isn't, this is easy, really. Yeah, yeah it is. But, you know, and for some people, they're going to really, really struggle because it's not normal routine. Yeah. Uh, but little things, like you say, going for a walk, getting plenty of water, getting ample sleep, those three things, walking, water and sleep on a health level, you know, you get, if you get a client or a person, you get them kind of with those three things in check, their health is going to start to, you know, go on the curve on the way up. And the yeah. easiest things we can do, we've got access to water, to water, free, free flowing water. We've got the ability to, um, to walk anywhere we want to go and sleep. Yeah. Getting those exactly. And, 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 if you look if you look at if you if you're thinking about a respiratory disease yeah you need to have efficient you need to have an efficient set of heart and lungs forget strength training forget all of that other stuff if you're looking at it purely from a health perspective now i've said this to so many people so many people there was a post up the other day about a family where about four people had died in the family all from one fact and then they put a pic they put a picture of the family up the whole family is obese, the yeah. entire family, not like, not like just a couple of them. The whole family has poor diet, lifestyle mm -hmm. habits. And, and, you, and when you start to understand that, you know, the more weight you have on your body, especially across your chest and around your lower stomach, that's covering your organs. That's yeah. reducing blood, the blood flow, which carries all the oxygen that closes up the airways and the lungs every single part of your of your body as you as you start to gain weight and increase fat across the entire of your body is reducing your ability to breathe properly breathe properly carry oxygen around assist the brain like all those all those functions which keep us alive and if people just understood that like going for going for a walk for an hour a day during this time like you said drinking water sleeping well you know having a normal balanced diet not some like fancy diet type keto this yeah um paleo that vegan you know, just a normal two two meat uh, sorry meat and two veg like whatever even if you got real food yeah whole real food yeah it is it is literally that simple and i think people are so overeducated, and they you know they listen to the nutritionist at work jane who's told them you know i'm doing x y and z and i've tried this new fuel diet and blah yeah. blah blah it's you know <clears throat> that's not what's effective the basics no. are effective the basics are effective and i think that's something we could definitely go a lot more into um yeah. which would be a whole different podcast entirely but <laughs> <laughs> yeah we won't go on another tangent <laughs> um ross first mate i just want to appreciate your time and um I th thank you for coming on and, and making the time for us um Good. if 
you know, obviously you're on social media. What, 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 how can people find you? What's your, uh... um, at Ross.coaching on Instagram and Ross coaching and fitness on Facebook and yeah, website Ross-coaching.com. So there you go. Sweet. I'll, uh, I'll link all them in the uh, description as well, mate. But, um, yeah. Awesome, Thank you, mate. It's been good to catch up. We'll uh, do it again. Say hello to the lads in the uh, 119 group for me. Well, I'll add you in, mate. I'm going to go quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. I'll catch you later. Nice one, brother. See you, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Bye. Bye.